Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I am here with Meredith Verdone, who is the CMO of Bank of America. Meredith, hi and welcome to the show. Hey, Nadine. Great to be here. Yes, it's so great to finally meet you in person. We've been talking for a few years now about all the fun things that you're doing at Bank of America. And you've been there, what, 20 years. So lots to talk about. But first, why don't we start with sharing a little bit about your current role as CMO and uh, what are some of the fun things that you're working on? So my role as CMO, I've been there 20 years, as you referenced, and I just I love my job. And I really love working at the bank. I've worked on other categories in my career earlier, and there's something very special about working in a category and in an industry that has so much impact on people's lives, whether it's people trying to save for a home or save for a child's education or build a business or plan their legacy. It really spans the entire continuum, really, from cradle to grave and have an opportunity to provide some value to people who are trying to make their financial lives better. And that's the core of what we do, making financial lives better, one connection at a time. And we have been talking about that. That's our purpose. What I'm excited about is that we have a new way of really expressing it in the marketplace. And in November, right before Thanksgiving, we launched a new campaign with an idea that says, what would you like the power to do? And it's a question. And what I love about that question, it means we're asking and we're listening. And it's about empathy. And that's what marketing to me is about, is understanding our customers and having that empathy for what they're going through and then be able to provide the right solutions. And what I loved about our launch is we featured our CEO, Brian Moynihan, in the commercial. And it's rare today to have a CEO in an ad. And if you heard the spot, you listen to the copy, it's Brian's voice. It is humble. It is him. It is the value of our company comes through is that humility. It so represents how we operate the company internally, what our values are, and it really tells the external world what we're about and how we operate. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Love everything you just said. And so many things to dig into there. I I can't even decide where to go first. So here's my list, and then we're going to come back to it. I want to talk a lot more about 
the infrastructure inside your company and how you've built your teams and how you support the culture and the development. And in particular, some of the cool things that you've built that is really sort of breaking the rules. And so let's come back to that. But let's focus right now on purpose and really being connected to that consumer and being empathetic because you and I have chatted about this before. I mean, you've done substantial research in trying to understand across five to six generations how their unique needs need to be met. And so can you talk a little bit about the work you do and how you think about the, the generations and, and how you're, you're helping them solve some of their biggest challenges? Sure. So first of all, what's interesting is the five or six generations, we have that internally as well. If you think about a company of our size, about 200,000 people, it's important that we understand and we tap into understanding the uniqueness of our internal culture. So we have a millennial council that helps us think through different issues to make sure not only are we always getting feedback from our customers, but leveraging the intelligence that we have inside of our company. And so we also spend an enormous amount of time deeply understanding the needs of our customers. And so whether it's influenced by what generation they're in or how they bank with us or what really what their needs are. What are they trying to accomplish? And no two people are really alike. So we've created a segmentation model and a deep understanding of what the differences are. And what's really fascinating right now is as the world has gone digital, there is still a real need for humans. Uh, (laughs) Our specialists that are there to help our clients and customers at different points in their journey. So someone could be digital for all their transactional capabilities, but guess what? There might be a moment that matters, something that happens in their life, and they want to talk to someone. And it could be through our mobile app, it could be through a call center, or it could be in person. And so we're building our model for the long run, the full value of the customer, not that individual transaction. How do we serve them across the lifetime in recognizing these journeys are all very, very different? And to build that model and communicate to them and provide that content, which is relevant at that moment in time, where they are, what their needs are, really to help them take that next best action that's going to help them achieve what they want to achieve in their life. I love that. So it used to be a customer-centricity consultant when I was for many, many years, right? And so we always used to say attitudes trump demographics, hands down. But there's definitely some new lifestyle differences between some of the younger generations and the older generations. And you've actually gone to camp to figure this out, right? Yeah, that's right. And what's interesting is in that younger generation, you know, those folks, the younger millennials who lived through the Great Recession, they still hold on to (laughs) values, what happened to them. And I think to your point on the generational piece, Mm -hmm. what did you live through? What impacted your psychology of how you view money? And that, I do think, is the thing that makes the generations different. So what we do see for those younger folks who went through the Great Recession and saw what happened to their parents during that time, they have very strong saving habits. And they're very focused on how they manage their money. And they really want to be treated like adults. And I think some brands don't get that right necessarily, is recognizing they're an extremely responsible generation. So we did something. We did a content partnership with BuzzFeed, and we created a camp. It was called 50 Under 50. And we sought to get applications for people making under $50,000. We found 50 people to apply to go up to upstate New York 
and learn tricks of how you can save money and better manage your money. It was overwhelming, the interest in it. They had a lot of fun and they came back and were, you know, tweeting about it and talking about it, posting these hacks on Instagram. And they were very proud of how they're managing their money and being really responsible in sharing those ideas with their peers. I love that and makes perfect sense, too. I'm so glad you got a chance to do that. We recently did a special series on Gen Z. We called them the CEOs. And you're absolutely right. I mean, even at that young state, just before the millennials, they, too, had seen the impact of 2008 and what happened in their households and their families and their neighborhoods. And not only turned them into great big savers, but from your perspective, that's good to hear that, but very distressful of a lot of things. So how do you how do you instill that trust? Yeah, that's a terrific question. And we're in the trust business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to trust where your money is. So that is the core of everything we believe in, that we are in the trust business. And what we find really interesting with that generation, but also more broadly, people do want to know what kind of a company you are. It really matters to have that transparency. What do you believe in? What are your values? in addition to what products and services. So it's really look at it as a bit of a, a, a Venn diagram where there's some overlap. You know, we call it user citizen. You're a user of our products, but you're also, you're a citizen of the world and what are you doing? And partly that campaign that we launched, not only did it have the spot where it featured our CEO, it featured some content around some of our partners, people like Matt Damon and water.org, the work we do with RED, with AIDS and helping diminish AIDS across the world. That these are big, really difficult, sticky issues in the world. And you do need big companies, big banks to help with the financing and creative, you know, capital financing, capital deployment to help really infuse into dealing with some of these bigger global issues in the environment. And we do this because we believe in it. We're not just, you know, it's not a bolt on to what we do. It's core to our business is understanding these things. And I think people, when they look at our company and they learn more about it, they are really interested in what we stand for. And we see that from a recruiting standpoint. You know, when you're meeting with someone and I ask them, you know, so why are you interested in Bank of America? It almost always starts with, hey, I saw what you did, whether it was about the environment or what you did on an issue, what you're doing with the Special Olympics, hey, the better money habits content. It often isn't our unbelievable products and services that we are so proud of. It's what kind of a company are you? What do you believe in? So that's what companies need to do today, brands need to do today, is to tell that story, but do it authentically because they can sniff out when you're inauthentic in a minute. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely correct. Okay. So I'm going to say something that for people who listen to CMO Moves fairly regularly are going to be like, Nadine, stop saying that. I was like the 18th time you said that. But there's no better way to say it. So it comes from a culture expert. His name is Dan Slap. And he says, if you can't sell it inside, you can't sell it outside. So you were just talking about how it's working to share your values as a company to the outside world. It's it's improving your employer brand. But let's go right into the inside now. Like, how do you, as CMO, foster this culture and this this beautiful philosophy around trust and, and being trustworthy inside the organization? Well, it all starts from the top down. And so this isn't something that I, as CMO, need to push. 
because it happens from the top down. And when we start a meeting, our CEO takes the company through. This is what we stand for. It all starts with our values and aligns to our priorities and aligns to what kind of a company we are. So this is the repetition, the continuous understanding and communication of what we stand for and then living it. Because it's one thing to have the words up in a PowerPoint document. It is another to believe in it and what we invest in and what we choose to do and what we choose to talk about. You know, the other data point that we see a lot right now with what's going on in the external environment is the role that people are expecting brands to take. And we see that there was a recent Edelman study where it said, you know, 50%, over 50% of people would choose to buy or not buy from a brand based on a position that they're taking. Mm -hmm. People are paying attention to what you do. And so that's a lot of it is internally what position we're taking in the why. Why are we doing it? I think that's what we're extremely effective at internally is having people understand how we think, how we make decisions about certain issues and what we talk about. Okay. Wow. We have so much still to cover. I can't, I can't believe it. Okay. So, many, so much goodness here. So let's talk a little bit first about your team and how you've organized. I want to talk a lot of, about your cool breaking the rules move. So we're, we're going to tease that for a second. And then I want to back up and I want to learn a little bit more about how you got into this role and what you discovered on your journey. So let's start with the team. Tell me about your team. I have a team of, I think, really dedicated, passionate, creative, smart people. I love the idea of having people who are creative and creative thinkers and who are challenging and challenging each other. I really create an environment where I want people to challenge each other, all for the good, all to have the common vision. So that's my job is to set the vision of where we're going and then create maybe even a little bit of tension. I think it's important with a little tension Mm -hmm. to get the best ideas out there, but we are all on the same team. And anyone who knows me knows I am all about team. I grew up playing sports. I grew up in a winning environment, but winning for the sake of the team to move forward to achieve what our goals are so we can all contribute. I love that. Okay, so I, I love the fact that you brought up sports because that keeps coming up over and over again. Um, last week, I released two podcasts, one with T-Mobile, Nick Drake, and uh, the other one with the NFL, Jacksonville Jaguars, Julian Duncan. Obviously, Julian is is right in the heart of football, but he was a professional football player, and Nick Drake was a professional rugby player. So they took so many lessons from those times when they were part of a team and how they lead their own teams. Tell me about your sports background. Yeah, so... I, uh, as always, I, as I tell my girls, they are so lucky, the opportunities they have in front of them. Um, you know, I wanted to play baseball when I was younger. No girls could play Little League. There was no hockey. There were very few sports when I was growing up. So I did play. I have two older brothers, and uh, I was always out throwing the baseball around with my older brother in the backyard. Uh, I went to a prep school. The first year, they had women or girls. And so the first year of co-education. And so I was, uh, you know, 16 girls of a class of 90. So I grew up in an environment where there are a lot more men than women and played sports there, had a good sports career, played a little bit of uh, soccer in college, and just loved the idea of having a common goal, that we are in this together. It's the teamwork, how you help each other out. And again, this notion Mm -hmm. of we're all in it together for this common vision to win. And you have to because we work in a large company. It is one big team, and you cannot be isolated and be off to the side. You all need to be aligned and going in the same direction. Wow. Okay. So gosh, yet another thing. I want to come back and talk about what it was like 
being a working mom. And you had mentioned you'd gotten some really great advice at one point. So that is priceless. I'm going to hold that for a second. Let's let's keep focused on your team for a second, though, because there's so much goodness in there. Tell me about breaking the rules, though. Yeah, so I want the best ideas. And I really don't care where they come from. And now when you think about the platforms, you think of other content providers, our in-house agency that we referenced earlier, my own team, mm-hmm. and even not my DRs, but other people in our organization, I think a great idea can come from anywhere. And you have to be open to it, and you have to foster a culture where you're looking for those great ideas. And as we work with our agencies, we do have a good model, but I am very open to it coming from maybe a different place than it isn't exactly on the roadmap of what our agency model looks like. But at the end of the day, we need the best ideas that are going to connect with our customers in a way that's going to create the kind of change that we're looking for. Wow. Can you explain a little bit about, you know, what you did to change your model? Well, I would say it's always evolving and we're continuing to evolve. And I think right now what's going to be interesting is as we continue to deliver personalization Mm -hmm. and the role that data-informed decisions are going to make. And again, you still have the role of brand, the importance of brand and how brand gets infused. I think the model of today and yesterday is going to be very different than what it is tomorrow and the day after. So I think this is going to be an evolution. I do not think there's any right way to go at this point. I think it is a matter of continuing to learn and adapt and bring in probably some new skills. And that's the biggest thing, I think, for our own team as well as our partners. How are we adapting to what we really need to be successful moving forward? Yeah, wow. In your case study that we did, I remember chatting with your team who was running the in-house agency that you built. And it was really fascinating because you took into account not just what you thought you needed, but what your employees were saying they needed and creating a model that worked for them so they could have flex time. And not everybody has to be a full-time employee. And and you really kind of created this ecosystem of contractors and full-time employees with this central intelligence database to help them keep up to speed on what each other was doing. That was just brilliant. Yeah, and no one knows our brand better than the people who work there. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that infrastructure of internal people that understand it and can also deliver at a very low cost, that's a great combination for certain types of work. So originally, when we acquired MBA, which is a credit card company, they really just did the work, single line of business, credit card. We're brilliant at that kind of work. Now what they do is they support all eight of our lines of businesses, and it is much broader than that, their capabilities to develop creative assets across and do it in a way that we can think about where do we need to deliver, again, instead of a lower cost way in a more regular basis versus things that are brand new ideas. So we look at our agency model of a, you know, it's a constellation Mm -hmm. of the roles different agencies play and they play an invaluable role, again, as we're trying to be as efficient as we can and with the greatest amount of brand knowledge that they can bring. And they are so nimble because of their, you know, speed to market and our knowledge of the brand. I love, I love that term. I think I think we should coin that for you. A constellation of agencies. That's that's very forward looking too. That's oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we could talk about that forever. But let's um, let's spend the the rest of our time here talking about you. We said we were going to talk about you being a working mom, and you've had 20 years at Bank of America. 
share some of your journey with us, please. Sure. Well, I can tell you as a working mom, I was very fortunate to have an amazing role model, which was my working mom. And this was back probably before there were a lot of working moms. And I was a latchkey kid, you know, (laughs) came home. My parents owned their own company together. And my mother broke the glass ceiling, meaning I didn't even know there was a glass ceiling to tell you that she just did it. And she worked and they worked together in the business. They worked extremely hard seven days a week in a uh, a residential real estate company. And she just taught me the value of what hard work is and how it can lead to success and just the satisfaction you can get by working hard and by achieving and then by giving back. So she has just been an incredible role model for me to have that going Mm -hmm. in to say, I never thought, you know, can I do this? It it never entered my mind. It's just, this is what you do. And she was there for me emotionally. As she always said, my dad went to all my games. She didn't. She was the one who was working and that was okay. Mm -hmm. So he was doing that before it was probably the acceptable (laughs) thing to do to be the dad on the, uh, the sideline. And we've been able to mirror that a bit. I've got an incredible partner in my husband who is, and it is about a team. You can't do this by yourself. You really can't. And he's been an incredible partner. And I might not be the quantity of time I spend with my kids, but certainly the quality of time. And I hope I'm a role model for them the same way my mom was to me. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely certain you are. So that is, that's wonderful. And as you were going through this this journey, you have two daughters, right? Yes. And so that happened somewhere in the past 20 years. It did. It did. <laughs> and you were talking about a pivotal moment in your career. Tell me about that. Yeah. So before I worked at the bank, I worked in the agency business for about, I don't know, 14 or 15 years. And I left because I wanted some stability, which was a little ironic because I, <laughs> I joined Fleet Bank in 1999. Three months later, there was a merger. And, you know, there's been a few since then. And so it has uh, been a lot more uh, chaotic. It wasn't the stability, let's say, that I thought <laughs> I was going towards. And I became pregnant with my first child in 2000 when I came back from maternity leave. Ann Finucane, who was my boss at the time and uh, has been, took me to lunch. It was wonderful. It was so nice to be greeted. And she looked at me like, what's the matter with you? Which is sort of a typical Ann thing. And I said, Ann, I have something to tell you. <laughs> she said, what? I said, I'm pregnant. And how does this happen? You know, you're having your second child and you're still on maternity leave. And I was so afraid to tell her that. She said, that's great. And not everything's going to happen at once. You're going to have a long career and think of the long game. And it was just such a relief to me. You know, at that point, I couldn't even imagine what you know, the future is going to look like. I was just trying to get through the day and get a decent night's sleep. And so <laughs> it just goes to show you, you just, it's not all going to happen at once. And to recognize a career is a journey. Uh, absolutely. What great advice she gave you. You have so much great advice to give other people. With folks that are on their path right now, and they're, they may be in any point in their journey, what are some of the best lessons you've learned along the way that you could share? Well, I'll tell you, just to go back to Anne again, because I have been... Uh, really privileged to work uh, under Anne with Anne for so, so many years. And I've learned an awful lot from her. And one of them, and this is something I think so important in the industry we're in right now, is she is a decomplexifier. There's so much complexity in our vernacular, in the work that we're doing. We need to be the ones 
simplifying it instead of making it more complex. Because if we're in an organization that isn't dealing with these issues day in and day out, and we're making it more complicated, people will not understand what we're talking about. So Anne has really taught me to bring it down, to boil it down, to simplify it, to bring critical thinking to it, to cut through. How do you use all these inputs of the data, of the external information, bring it down, distill it Mm -hmm. into a compelling argument? And that's what I don't think we do sometimes well enough is what does it really all mean and to bring it down into a way that is, again, a compelling argument to make a case for something. And so I I think we can get caught up in the language and the issue of the day. I think you just got to bring it up a couple levels of really what you're trying to solve for and to simplify the language. I love that. That's fantastic advice. It's now competing for Constellation of Agencies as my favorite thing that you've said so far. Uh, no, but you did actually say something else earlier. You used a term I've not heard, which I probably should have heard. What does jump ball mean? Oh, a jump ball. Ask any agency person. So when you have an assignment and you might put two agencies to say you're going to give them an agency brief, agency A and agency B, both come back with your ideas on this brief. Instead of, typically, you might have one agency that would you'd give that assignment to, they'd come back. You're saying, okay, agency A or B or C or D, let's see what you come back with, and then we'll evaluate the best. And so it creates a lot of, for us, we're going to get the best ideas yeah. <laughs> because the agency is going to fight for it because they want to come back and win that sort of jump ball, if you will. I, nah, okay, I get it. That's awesome. All goes up in the air. Two people go after it. That's the idea. In, in some cases, four people some go after it. Four. I love it. I love that. Okay, so that okay, so you, you must have as well in that scenario. So as you're in this jump ball scenario, you as the leader of this ecosystem, internal and external, how do you keep everybody motivated and, and heading in the right direction? Well, I think it goes back to what we stand for, what our vision is, that we are driving, you know, customer centricity. And the customer is always at the forefront of everything that we do. And that's what I love about my job because in a way that's sort of simple and it goes back to what our purpose is, but it really becomes the guardrails for what it is that we're trying to do and trying to drive out the brand. Because believe if you do what's right by the customer, you're going to drive what the brand is. So again, you got to keep it simple. If you overcomplicate what the mission is, it's hard. And we already have what our purpose is. And our jobs as marketers, I believe, are always to be that advocate for the customer. And that keeps it very, very simple. Because if you always put yourself in the customer's shoes, you have the empathy, you have the information, you have the data. And we are a very data-driven organization, which is terrific because we can make that case and understand what do our customers, across our different customers, to your earlier point, that there's a lot of variation and you're armed with that information, it makes decision-making easier and it makes what our north is e- easier because we know what our customers want. I love it. Okay, so we are unfortunately down to our last couple of minutes. So I'm going to open the floor to you and then I'm going to ask you my last question. So if you wanted to share anything with anyone in the world today as a bit of advice or something you've learned, what would it, uh, other than what you've already, you've given some great advice already. So if there's anything you didn't get in there, what would it be? Well, I'll tell you, and this isn't my original advice. I had the opportunity to listen to Warren Buffett. He came to an event at the bank and we are very fortunate at the bank to have a relationship with him. And he is someone whom I admire tremendously. And his advice was be passionate about what you do. 
And I say that to young people too. Don't go into something because you think it's what you should be doing. Do something that you know you'll be passionate about because you are going to spend a lot of hours doing what you're doing and find that thing that really excites you and have that passion. Yeah, excellent advice. Okay, well, I hate that this is my final question to you, but it is, and we'll have more questions at another time, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll keep talking about all these cool things that you're doing. But if you were not doing what you're doing today and money and talent were no object, what would you be doing? Oh, the money and no talent part. See, that, that changes the whole thing, Nadine. Because <laughs> there are so many things I'd like to do that I have no talent for, um, you know. Well, listen, I'll tell you, one thing I think would be sort of interesting as someone who's been a working mother to not be a working mother. And I know, you know, the grass is never greener, that you, you just, not one is easier than the other, but I think it would be sort of neat to see what that is like and to be able to contribute in ways that I haven't really been able to. But, you know, I, I may not be able to do that very long. But I think <laughs> it would be neat to have that opportunity to be, be in those shoes for a little bit. You know, the other thing goes back to what we we're talking about. I've got a lot of passion for sports. I'm a rabid sports fan. I look at people who are, that that is somehow uh, what they do for a living. If there was some way that that was part of what I was doing, whether, you know, I love Brian Gumbel, real sports, that's probably to me the some of the best content out there because they are stories of inspiration and it's using sports. And those mm -hmm. are sort of the two things that I love is how do you inspire people and what role does sports play in doing? I think it plays such a unique role in people's lives. So something in that area, and of course, and I would be a professional athlete, but that does require <laughs> a bit more uh, athleticism than I would ever have. Well, again, that, we take away those limitations. You could be anything in the world. What's your favorite sport? And then uh, I will, we'll have to unfortunately wrap up, but I have to know what your favorite sport is. Ice hockey, hands down. Love it. Okay. Well, Meredith, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, I've enjoyed it, Nadine. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Talk soon. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 